All right, hello everyone and welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty, and I got a new guest today, a guest I'm very excited I finally was able to work with, Tim, a.k.a. Crunches McBasketball, uh, from Blue and Gold Contributor and the Take Charge podcast, and you might know him from his very famous Laker threads on Twitter. Tim, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So do you want me to call you Tim or do you want me to call you Crunches McBasketball? Which way is this going to work? <laughs> Uh, I'll let you pick. I mean, and it's it's funny hearing people call me Cranges because so many people just like it's not like my real name, and, and people get so uncomfortable saying it, which is hilarious. So you can whatever you want. Tim works. All right, all right, Tim, uh, that works for me. So um, real quick before we get into the podcast, um, how did you how did you come up with that name? Because I've listened to some of your podcasts, and I don't think I've ever heard the story behind the name. Okay, yeah, it's a good question, and and one I get a lot. Uh, so. Have you ever heard of or seen the show Impractical Jokers? Yeah, of course. I love that show. Okay, yeah. So I love it. My favorite show. I pretty much only watch sports on that um, and some Netflix stuff. But one of the – so so for the audience, if, if you haven't seen it, it's a, it's a fun show on True TV. It's like the only good show on True TV um, where it's these four guys and they compete every episode and do little mini challenges challenges. And whoever loses the most throughout the episode is punished at the end. Um, and so – during one of those mini challenges, what they had to do was uh, be like an, a secretary in like a focus group setting, just like calling people's names to have them go in. And instead of calling people's real names, they're given a name of a list of just like ridiculous names. Um, so Cranges Big Basketball was one of them. Uh, I don't know. There are all kinds of just ridiculous, kooky names. Um, and it was one that I thought it was was hilarious. And I knew I didn't want to use my real name for my Twitter stuff and it had to do with basketball. So I stuck with it and nobody knows what it means, but the people who do love it. So, you know, that, there it is. And this is going to sound like I'm lying, but to be honest, now that I've heard you say that, I, I think I literally seen that episode like a month or two ago. That's, that's a rewind, right? That's not like a, that's not like a newer one from the new season. No, it's from, it's, it's a couple seasons ago, but they've actually, it's one of the few names that they've used a couple times i think okay yeah. and, and they've even used it in in other games and other settings too yeah that that's cool man that's cool so now that mystery is solved but um but yeah so we're here to talk about the lakers uh the team that the team that you cover the most you do you do great twitter threads like i feel like i don't even have to watch the lakers anymore i just have to like read your i just have to like read your threads you know um, those are those are really cool how long have you been doing those for um it's so i started up Last March, um, I've been doing scouting and analytics at the Division One level for two years, um, and and just last Mar- March, I decided like, hey, if I change my name and don't affiliate with my school at all, I might actually be able to do some of this and share some of this knowledge because there's so many opinions and a lot of journalism out there, um, but there isn't much from people who are like in the basketball world and giving that perspective. So I, I have the tools, I have the experience with data. And then also on like the scheme, like the X's and O's side of things. So I thought I'd be able to add something to Laker and NBA Twitter. And it's it's been a fun ride so far. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like what you do, like I said. So let's jump into it. Let's jump into the Lakers. One and two. Um, not a terrible start. Not a great start, I, I feel, for the for the Lakers. Um, you know, they're not... They're not top 10 in either offense or defensive rating, but I don't think we, the Lakers were really expected to be, um, be top 10 at either of those at that point. But the thing that I find interesting, and I'm going to pull up this stat sheet as you talk, 
is Julius Randle because I've watched these games and in a contract year, you know, he's a guy, and, and I'm one of the people on, as Zach will like to say, Randall Hill. Um, I believe in Randall. Okay. Uh, I like his I like his game. I think he's I think he's a very interesting piece if paired next to the right front court partner. Um, but he's kind of with the with the emergence of Kuzma in preseason. Of course, that was nuts. Um, you know, I'm sure you I'm sure you had a lot of questions about that and a lot of time talk talking about that. And as well as Larry Nance, who I yep. think is a really solid player. I think he could be a starter on a good team. Um, so. Where is Julius Randle fitting? And is he like is he in danger of falling just totally out of the rotation? Like where wh- what is going on with Julius Randle? So that's an excellent question, and and I think it's one that Julius himself is is thinking about right now because <laughs> this is a guy who he's been on, on this team, he's been a starter on this team before. He went into this off season knowing, hey, I need to get in better shape, practice really hard, show up for preseason training camp. He did all those things. He completely reshaped his body, put in more work than he ever has. Um, and there, there are tons of like pictures and videos out there of him just doing ridiculous workouts. But this guy is in the best shape of his life, shows up for training camp, kills it, shows up for preseason and does really well. And then like a day before the first regular season game, Luke Walton decides to bench him. Um, so and not bench him, but but bring him off the bench. He, he decided not to put him as the starter. And, and I think that really shook Randall. Um, and I mean, there are different ways to respond to adversity. Some people would have taken that as an opportunity to say, all right, I'm going to prove you wrong. But Randall didn't handle it so well. He he had two games, the first two games of the season where he was still doing a lot of the same things, but he just didn't have the same tenacity. And he didn't play with that chip on his shoulder and that energy that the team really needs him to bring. And he himself really needs to bring to the table if he wants to have a good year. Um, he's in a weird spot because he knows They've, the Lakers have decided they're not, not going to extend his contract. And the situation the Lakers are in, they can't bring him back if they want to bring in like a, a LeBron James and a Paul George this offseason. So they're not going to be extending him. So he's not really playing for the Lakers for a contract. He is playing for his net contract somewhere else, essentially, on a bad team. Just put all this work in and found out he's not coming. And he's going to be coming off the bench. So he's in a really weird spot. Um, last game against the Pelicans... Uh, Larry Nance Jr. had two fouls early in the game that gave Randall an opportunity to go in for some real minutes with the starting unit, and he performed really well, really stepped up to the plate, um, and, and he showed us what he can be if he's locked in offensively and defensively. He, he did a really great job defending AD, defending Boogie Cousins, um, and, and that's something that the rest of the Laker team couldn't really do that game. So we saw what he can do. We've seen what he can do if he's not in it mentally. Um, and I, I don't think he's going to fall out of the rotation. I still think he's going to get 20, 25 minutes a game. Um, mostly a power forward. He'll play a little bit back of backup center. Um, but the fact that he's not a starter really shook him and he still seems to be recovering from that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's really what it is with him. I think that, I think that that did just watching him. He seems a little, he seems a little out of sorts. Um, and I think it's for that reason, like you said, the, the, being pulled from the starting lineup and everything. Um, and I just found it interesting because I thought that you're right. Um, going into the season, it was pretty clear that Randall is one of the guys that they're kind of, you know, it, there's there, there's not really uh, there's not really a strong um, interest in bringing back unless, you know, things go wrong. It, like Randall is, ki- is kind of essentially a plan B now in, in L.A. and everyone knows that. 
like they'll bring him back maybe if um maybe at the right price and if LeBron and Paul George don't come uh don't come to LA. So he's kind of in this weird spot. So I thought the Lakers were actually going to play him more and kind of, you know, showcase him and maybe try and flip him, but um it seems like he's not um it seems like, you know, he's at 18 minutes a game right now. I don't um I don't really see him um and he's at a plus minus of minus 8.3, which is which is not great. So he's He's really just he's he's really struggling right now. Yeah, he's he's been in a weird spot, and, and I think I've been disappointed in the way that Luke Walton's really handled the situation. He's a guy who, and I'm really critical of scheme, and, and it's what I love to do when I consult with high school teams and AAU and, and lower level college teams on designing offenses. And the offense the Lakers ran last year was the worst in the league. Um, and I broke it down. I broke down what we did this preseason and it was getting better, but we know that's not Walton's strong suit. And, and what we knew or what we thought we knew about him coming in to be the new Lakers coach was that he was a really good locker room guy, players coach, would create that culture, get guys to buy in. And he seems to completely have mismanaged the Randall, Randall situation. Um, so that's disappointing to see, but I, I think that 18 minutes a game will, will bump up a little bit um, over time. I think eventually Randall will take over the starting job, but it's still up in the air. There's still a lot of debate over whether him or Nance should be that top guy. Because when both of them are playing well, it's a lot of fun to watch. But when both of them aren't playing well, they're just completely mismatched and out of place on the court. Yeah. Yeah, I th- that's something that's really got my eye. Um, like I said, that's why I wanted to start with that one. So the other thing I wanted to jump to, of course, is the big topic of, of Lonzo. So just kind of assessing his play so far. I mean, it's been up and down and you know, fans that have listened to my podcast before said that, you know, coming into this season, this is what I expected from Lonzo. I expect, and I even said in one of my podcasts, you know, no stat line from Lonzo will surprise me. You know, if he has a 30-point triple-double game, I can see that happening. If he has a game where he has nine points and 13 assists and, you know, two rebounds, that wouldn't surprise me either with seven turnovers, you know. So um, he he's kind of, I, I expect a very inconsistent um, up-and-down season, and so far that's what we're getting. Um do you expect Lonzo to kind of, as the season goes on, set in, or do you think, or do you think that this is going to be a up and down? You know, one night he's clicking, and you know, other nights he's just really, really struggling. I think in terms of his shooting, which which has been his weakest point so far, um, and we saw one good game from from a shooting standpoint, or one okay game, um, and two pretty bad games, and that's somewhere where he was really strong at UCLA. And I expect him to eventually settle in, figure out how to create his own shot. Uh, he, he has some really sloppy footwork in a couple different places. And he also has some great footwork and is really strong and confident in, in his step back game. Um, so I, I think moving to a situation from where at UCLA he was used a lot off of screens and running around screens, kind of like a like a J.J. Redick or a Kyle Korver and spotting up and being able to play off ball, catch and shoot. Um, he also handled the ball on, ran the pick and roll. Don't get me wrong, but at at uh, for the Lakers so far, 29 of his 60 possessions have been as the pick and roll ball handler for, from a scoring standpoint. So he's having to create a lot more than he usually has um, or, or he's used to at UCLA, and it's different kinds of stuff. Um, so and, and he's been pretty strong there so far. It, he scored uh, t- 25 points, and an average player getting 29 pick and roll possessions would be expected to score 24.7. So he's about average in that regard, but where he struggled so far is just that shooting component. And I think over the season that'll settle in. Um, he's a good shooter. 
we should see that him uh, Malik Monk is another guy that's struggling off the out of the gates but I think both of them their shooting is really good um Lonzo's form isn't a concern to me and it hasn't appeared to be a concern and his makes and misses I think the the results aren't there yet um but the process is there I've been taking a look at uh just looking at his misses are they good misses or bad misses and, and when I say that I mean a good miss is just a little bit long a little bit short where the bad miss is really long really short or it's left or right and he's had a lot of good misses which means he's his form's good and he's just a little bit off so I, I think just give it some time let him adjust just to the faster style of play. I think we've seen a lot of rookie guards really struggle so far. Um, but I think Lonzo will be okay. And, and the nice thing about Ball is that his greatest strength is his passing. And that's something that's translated immediately. He's averaging about six uh, possessions a game where he's passing. He gets a rebound and he's just like football pass, throwing the ball all the way down the court and creating a transition possession out of nothing. Um, and those long outlet passes are adding a lot of points to the Lakers point total every game. It's making things easier, especially for a team that doesn't run great half court sets. Um, he's shown great passing out of the pick and roll in the half court. He'll have turnovers. Um, everybody will. And, and I think over time he'll settle in there and be able to realize what works and what doesn't work in that regard. But the passing will be there and is there now the scoring isn't there quite yet, but I think we'll become more consistent over time. And as far as the rebounding, it's something where I've seen specifically the Lakers are having guys go out and run and they know that they don't need everybody to crash the boards and rebound because other teams are scared of Lonzo and the transition game. So they're not even crashing guys. Um, so that means that instead of your three, four and five trying to get your defensive rebounds, you can have your five box out and Lonzo go grab the board and then everybody else run down the, down the court. Um, and that makes it there are more targets for him to pass to, and it's also quicker for him to get to board himself than for Randall to get it and then pass to him and then him look up and try to pass to somebody. So that's a, it, it's not just like Lonzo is really good at grabbing rebounds and he's done good. He's done well uh, in contested situations and he is, is a good rebounder, but that's also part of their scheme. And I think is something those, those rebounding numbers we will continue to see over the year. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the things you brought up the most, um, I like, I like the rebounding. I, I agree. Like I like that he goes after the glass because, um, same thing with Westbrook. I, I like when a point guard goes after the glass because it's easier to just initiate the offense and go the transition offense. And especially when you're an excellent passer like Lonzo, I mean, right now he's currently fifth in the league in assists per game on, on average. And he's got, and, and you know, he has 11 turnovers, but uh, but at the same time, he's still got a over a two to one ratio when it comes to when it comes to assist to turnovers, which is which is pretty which is pretty solid for for a rookie in in a situation in L.A. where, like you said, he's kind of forced to be the playmaker. Uh, one of the things I think will help is um, is is Jordan Clark, uh, Jordan Clarkson reemerging and, and playing very well. And um, I kind of want to see more minutes with Lonzo and Clarkson. I know they're ideally defensively they're not the greatest fit backcourt but um but I like I like that Lonzo can play more off ball because Clarkston is is a pretty good play initiator and KCP is too to his credit but um but not I don't think he's he's on the same level as Clarkston and Lonzo for sure so um so I, I I'd like to see more minutes with Lonzo and Clarkston I agree yeah I'm uh in the process of for foreign blue and gold, we're doing like a round table of uh, lineups. We'd like to see more of. And the one I was planning on writing about was the Lonzo Clarkson, uh, Ingram Kuzma Randall lineup, I believe. Um, and, 
and that Lonzo Clarkson part was really the key to it. Um, we, we've seen a lot of Lonzo with <laughs> Luol Deng, which was a terrible, bad idea. Yeah. Um, Lonzo with, with Corey Brewer. Corey Brewer can't do anything other than score in transition. Um, he could play some defense, but doesn't bring anything offensively. He's a really poor shooter. Even if you leave him wide open, he's shooting like 22% on open threes, which is ridiculous. Um, so having a scorer in Clarkson who last year shot 40, uh, he shot 45.7% when you left him open on threes. He was the 11th most efficient isolation scorer in the NBA. Um, this is a guy who create, can create his own shot, can score out of the pick and roll. His rookie year, he played point guard, so he can function in that capacity as Lonzo moves off ball. Um, the one big concern that Laker fans have had with Clarkson for years has been his passing. And he's a guy that so obviously watching live, you can see him get the ball and then just not even look to pass the ball at all. Right. Missing wide open players. Other teams would double team him. He doesn't see it. Just blinders completely on. He still forces up shots and he was really efficient at it last year. So it was kind of okay. Um, but if he can just be an average passer and have good vision, and play alongside Lonzo, and we can have two guards who can both shoot. Clarkson can make his own shot, and and Lonzo, and they can both kind of play make for each other. That'd be a really cool lineup to, to see. Yeah, yeah, because like you said, I think I think if Lonzo continues to, um, or I shouldn't say continue, but starts to get more uh, more off ball features, then I think he I think it's really going to help both obviously his his efficiency and just his on ball. Um, too, because it's going to kind of take a little bit of that burden of that stress away because, you know, these these rookies, you know, like it or not, like they're they're pretty when they come into the league and, you know, some people never change, but rookies, especially when they come into the league, a lot of them, you know, have a little bit of the case of, of the numbers game in their head, you know, where, they, where they're thinking, you know, okay, I got this amount of points, this amount of assists, like, and, and they're kind of, they're kind of stat tracking and it, and it kind of deters them where I think if you, if you give Lonzo a situation where he can be both off ball and on ball uh, with Clarkston, which I really like, because uh, because then it kind of allows him um, it allows him to kind of benefit benefit from both realms. And I think I think you're right. Um, the shooting will go up as a result of that if they if they play it more. But I am interested to see how he fits with KCP. Um, that's that's really uh, an interesting question. Um, how do you see how do you see KCP emerging with this team? I think, uh, and the fir- the only game he's played so far because he was suspended for the first two, right. KCP was fantastic. Um, yeah. And he shot the lights out, had a couple steals. Um, he's a guy that, and, and this is something that I've spent some time looking at and digging into the data on the film, his defensive reputation doesn't quite match up with his true defensive ability. Um, he's a good yeah. defender, but he isn't the lockdown defender that, you would just generally hear in the media. Um, I think it, it helps Alonzo to be playing alongside KCP, but he's a guy that'll gamble a lot. He, he, um, he'll he get a lot of steals, and he'll have those noisy defensive plays where he gets a steal or a block, and those are things you notice. Um, but it's looking back at the film and me watching things and rewinding and going slow motion and seeing him be out of position because he's trying to gamble, and that's the real concern with his defense. But offensively, I think he'll emerge as a secondary playmaker. Um, he was very good in Detroit, as a guy who you can set a pin down screen for him, have him run up from the corner, get on the ball or, or have a dribble handoff and have him look to turn the corner and attack downhill. Um, he especially liked doing that out of the left corner. Um, yeah, and he, he was, was really, really good, good at it. That. He exactly. Yeah. That, that was the one. And when I was looking at, all right, how does this guy fit? What kind of plays work for him? 
there are a lot of different plays that it can utilize that skill set. And that's a great way to set a pin down screen, get him the ball, have, have him attack downhill as you set like a flare screen for Lonzo or something like that. And and he's got the option to attack, pull up, or hit Lonzo on, on that flare screen and make it simple, easy looks, um, nothing too complicated, not like a point guard running an offense, but he's a guy who can make some plays um, and, and should also be a guy who won't be an amazing shooter, but he, he should be able to... And, and, And I saw a little bit of Clarkson in him uh, the other day when he was creating things off the dribble, kind of doing a little ISO, uh, really kind of taking control. Clarkson and, and KCP that last game against New Orleans really asserted themselves and were really efficient, too. So I think that's a big help to this Laker team when we have guys like Randall and Nance and uh, Bogut out there and Josh Hart or um, Lonzo and guys who aren't used to trying to get their own shot. So I think KCP, if he needs to, he can step up every once in a while and, and take on some of that burden. So that's nice to see. Wasn't something I was expecting, but if it continues, I think that'll be a positive for the Lakers. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he was also really good because I've, I follow the Pistons. That's, that's my team that I, that I follow. I'm from the Michigan area. Um, the, the Pistons okay. with um, those pin down screens that you were talking about. Another thing he liked to do is, is those little uh, is those little pin down screens and then come up, grab the ball at about the free throw line and then hit drum it on the lob. Um, he was really, really good at that. He was um, he was he was great at um, at a facilitator, not at not at finding the shooter. He was more so better at finding the big man but, uh, and attacking downhill. Mm -hmm. So um, so I'm interested to see how he can um, how he works with finding shooters like Lonzo and stuff, because. Detroit really doesn't have a lot of shooters, um, especially the time that KCP was there. So, um, so it wasn't really, it wasn't really. I don't know if it was a, if it was a, he he didn't have faith in the shooters, or if he just wasn't, or if he was only looking for, at those two things, attacker and the lob. So it'll be interesting because he's playing with a different yeah. style big man in Brook Lopez. Mm -hmm. He for sure he's he's got different big men and a lot of. These guys do different things. Like uh, Kuzma will be a great pop, pick and pop guy. Whereas yeah. Randall, kind of short roll game. Nance is a lob threat. Lopez isn't really a lob. He can pop and he can do okay rolling. Bogut is just slow and old and yeah. <laughs> maybe could roll a little bit. Um, but yeah, and another thing I wanted to add, um, just with regard to him finding shooters. What one of the things that I noticed when I I ended up scouting Detroit this uh this summer for a consulting project i was working on um i scouted 20 of the 30 nba teams and something i noticed about their offense was it was very simplistic last year yes in the sense that they'd run that pin down and he'd be going and they'd have that roll man but everyone else would just stand there there wasn't really there weren't any other hammer screens or pin downs or flare screens or anything else to really create offense so if he was kicking it out it was kicking it out to a guy who was just standing there so a lot of times the defense just was in position and took away a lot of those passes um and and the lakers did the same thing last year so if if the lakers can implement some better offense something like i don't know the, the hornets or the celtics or the warriors are really good at this the spurs are really good at this cleveland they'll have guys move around during those drives and get people open while the defense is paying attention to the drive or helping over um so if we can do that that'll give kcp more situations to find those guys in lonzo and, and any any of the other laker guards yeah that's a that's a hardcore philosophy of stan van gundy that um that his actions don't really have a lot of secondary actions um his plays i should say and they're built on they're built on 
having three reliable perimeter shooters and just saying, okay, and, and, and saying, if you help, we'll shoot the three. But the problem in Detroit has been that they don't have the shooters and that Drummond is, is terrible and all these other things. So I'm not going to get into all that, but yeah, that's, that's, (laughs) that's interesting that, um, that's interesting that you say that. Yeah. So, um, all right, uh, give me, a, and I know you got to go, so I'll, I'll have you hit me with one last thing about the Lakers, just overall, just overall in a prism. How do you think they're performing? Do you think they're performing to the level you're expecting? I mean, right now I just looked up the numbers. They are 22nd in, uh, in offensive rating and 19th in defensive rating. So um, the defense has been, a, has been a plus so far because they were 29th or 30th last year in defense. Right, they were really bad. Yeah, yeah, were, one of those two. They were just awful. Uh, we could just say it by awful. Um, so the the defense is a step forward, but I actually thought that they would be better than twenty second offensively. Um, I'm and again, we're only three games in, so you know, one game really screws the sample size. But uh, mm-hmm. but yeah. So what are your initial takeaways of the Lakers? Uh, I think I mean all things considered. If they can be not a bottom five defensive team and not a bottom 10 offensive team, I think it'll be a good year for them Um, because just the coaching and the tactical things on both ends of the court um, don't quite seem to be there yet. And there are a lot of steps for them to take for them to get to where they were defensively and offensively last year to being a better team. And some of those things are better rotations, better help rotations, not overhelping, not giving up the middle on offense, having off-ball movement. Uh, so far this season, they've had 12 possessions of guys running off of screens in 359 possessions. Um, so there's really no, there are no flare screens, there are no pin downs. Um, a lot of the Laker offense so far has been transition, which they've been good at, and then running things out of the pick and roll, hitting the roll man, hitting spot up shooters, or taking the shot from the pick and roll. So I think I'd love to see not bottom 10 for offense, not bottom five for defense. Um, I'm okay with what they've been able to do, pick and roll, spot up and roll man stuff, but I'd love to see more utilization of shooters off of screens and in particular, Lazo Ball and Jordan Clarkson. All right, there you have it. Tim, AK, Cranjus McBasketball, uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, definitely going to have you on again, update as the Lakers, um, as the Lakers progress throughout the season. We'll see how, We'll see how they do a little bit in the season when we can, you know, have a better have a better sample size of the of the, of the year. So, um, really quickly before you go, uh, do you want to plug and promote? Because I'm sure you're gonna be able to promote yourself better than I can promote you. So go ahead and uh, tell the fans where to find your <laughs> stuff. Okay, yeah. So I'm on Twitter uh, at t1m underscore nba. So it's tim underscore nba, but with a one. Um, check out my Twitter. I have a digital portfolio in the. There's a link in my bio to all that, all the stuff I've done. Um, you can find me writing over at Forum Blue and Gold. Um, I'm on the Taking Charge podcast with Cranjus McBasketball. Um, you'll see me on the Laker Film Room podcast occasionally. Um, right now I'm working on a big spreadsheet where you can go in, pick any team, any player, um, and find their how they've done so far statistically using some advanced analytics that I'm putting together. I'm putting together a player comps machine. Um, I had it last year where you can say, all right, who does, I don't know, who does Andre Drummond play most like? And you put his name in and it'll shoot out his top five, top 10 player comparisons. Um, I've done the same thing for prospects. Um, I have that out there, but uh, building it so far for this year, just for um, player comps so far, I'll be updating that every couple days. 
Um, so check out that spreadsheet if you can. Um, I've invented a couple a couple different metrics that are in there as well. But yeah, podcast form blue and gold. Um, I'll be writing for nylon calculus. Uh, so busy, but when I get a chance, I'll be doing some work for them. But I think that's it for me. Thanks so much, Chris. I, I had a lot of fun coming on. And any other time you want me on, just let me know. All right, absolutely. Like I said, we're going to have to definitely follow up on the Lakers because I'm sure things will change as the season goes on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks, Tim. Take care. Yeah, thanks, man. You too.